Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Mental Millennials. Today, I've got Finn Dover with us here, and he's got quite the background of he's got martial arts, uh, mushrooms, and just general um, holistic living and how to live healthily. And uh, I'll let him do a little intro of himself and we'll get going here. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it, mate. Uh, yeah, like you said, my name's Finn. It's spelled uh, with about five extra letters that don't need to be in there. Um, and I'm super into both of those things. I'm 26 years old. I came to Canada originally from England. I came to Canada 2016 in September. So bang on four years now. So yeah, I've been here a little while. I really enjoy it. And yeah, it's a gorgeous place. <laughs> well we're happy to have you here thank you brother i appreciate that um well to get going do you want to start with going into your childhood and doing some of that like your upbringing yeah sure okay. i mean um start with some stuff from the past absolutely absolutely and i think it's fairly colorful as i think i mean tons of people have experienced right it's mm -hmm. everyone has different upbringings for me it was um it, it was certainly different and I never really reflected on it until I became a bit older because when you're younger I mean it's it's your world right you don't mm -hmm. really have anything else to compare it to and I was my family kind of moved around quite a bit so I never spent a ton of time at other people's houses I didn't have a lot to compare my benchmark to so mm -hmm. it was interesting and now that I've got older I've met a few more people I sort of established a friendship group I realized like, oh, this wasn't normal. This isn't really how it goes. Um, but to get into it a little bit, so uh, my mum, my dad, they, they were never married. So they had me and my little sister and they separated when I was quite young. Um, before the separation, it was always fights, screaming at each other every night. I remember I'd, we'd be on a bunk bed and I'd always ask my little sister because I was too scared to go out and she was the favorite. So I'd always ask her when I was like six, she was like four. And I'd ask her to go out and ask them to stop screaming because I know I'd get told off if I did it. But see, my sister's a lot cuter than me. So <laughs> um, I used to send her out and do that. And then eventually when they separated, I think I was around seven years old. And uh, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a great separation for many different reasons but um my mum turned a lot to booze and that problem never sort of got better and as with any sort of alcoholism it starts as a small thing mm -hmm. and then eventually it becomes more regular and uh we moved around a lot too i mean even when my uh my mum and my dad were together i grew up in london we moved to west sussex another county in england and then when they separated i actually uh, my mum jetted us off to Spain, which was a huge upheaval in everything that I knew at seven years old, right? I mean, mm -hmm. going through school, you're about to get into secondary school, and then, boom, you switch everything over. And uh, that was a huge adjustment for me. I started going to school in Spain, uh, Spanish school, not an English-speaking school. Very, mm -hmm. uh, very tough adjustment. I mean, as a kid, you can't really see the positives in it you're being ripped away from your friends and everything that you know you're not seeing it as like oh my god this is going to serve me really well i get to speak a different language and you don't <laughs> think about all that when you're younger you're just kind of like this sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, no, sure. so yeah we went there um uh, was, yeah, there, yeah, that was, 
Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but was there a reason why they kept moving you guys around? Like, were they moving for jobs or? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't something it obvious. Was. I've, I've never really spoken to uh, my dad about it, but um, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know why he'd move out of London. London's fairly central, a central city, and that's where a lot of the job opportunities are, similar to any place, right? Mm. You'll see as you like sort of fan out from Vancouver or fan out from Toronto, the population gets less and less. There's a lot more opportunities at those hubs. Mm -hmm. And although England's a fraction of the size, London would be the place to be. Mm -hmm. I imagine it could have had something to do with finances, stuff like that. I mean, we were never super poor, but we never particularly well off, right? Just in the middle there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. My mom was always a a free spirit and my dad was too, to be honest. They kind of just went where the wind took them. Let's try some new shit. Right. Yeah, that's it. We were along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Spain was, uh, Spain was definitely an adjustment for me. There was a lot of, uh, I mean, it's in your formative years, right? And if you're a foreigner in your formative years, I was quite a chubby kid too. Like you go (laughs) over there and there's multiple reasons to be picked on, right? So bullying was a thing. I didn't necessarily know how to deal with it because it was all a different language huge adjustment my sister struggled too i mean someday she would just pretend that she went to school and then walk off somewhere different mm-hmm. she just wouldn't turn up um so those were a tough few years and then eventually my mom's alcoholism got to the point where one day we were in a we were in an internet cafe this was like back in the msn days so you <laughs> went to an internet cafe because we were still running on like windows 98 which was appalling i think it was um it couldn't even support MSN, so I was very grumpy about that. So we'd always go to the internet cafe. We'd use more up-to-date computers to get on all that rubbish. Bebo, did you have Bebo over here? I don't, I don't remember Bebo. I do, MSN was huge, though. Was it the same thing? Yes. Yeah, no. So Bebo was kind of like a Facebook or a MySpace. Oh, okay. Like we, nasty teens. It was that. We had in our teens, it was like, uh, oh, I can't remember. It was like you basically just built yourself like a landing page about you. Yeah. It was just like one little thing. I forget there was a name. For, oh, it was uh, Nexopia, I think. Okay. Very yeah. sim- Very yeah. similar. Then. You could change like the skins on your landing page. And stuff. Yeah. You could buy like the upgraded skins and things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank God I deleted that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So we'd, we'd go to the internet cafe anyway. Sorry. I got sidetracked. We'd go there for that and uh, something like 11 in the morning. And uh, me and my sister were just using up our 45 minutes on the computers. And uh, my mom was having a coffee outside and then uh, went out and we didn't realize that she'd just been pouring this Mickey of whiskey into a coffee, like for the whole 45 minutes. <laughs> we get back in the car to go home and she just can't drive. She's veering into the middle of the road. She's almost coming off the other side. And we're on uh, one of the roads in Spain. Thank God it wasn't a highway, but she's veering off into the middle of the road. And eventually I was nine at the time. Yeah, I was nine or 10. And I had to grab the steering wheel and just veer the car off the road. My sister was in the back. Mm -hmm. And obviously we were quite shaken up. So me and my sister got out the car and I called my dad. We hadn't spoken to him in a while. It was it was quite difficult for him to kind of get over to Spain and stuff like that. He tried to come and visit us once every year or two years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I called him, obviously distraught, didn't know what to do. And that was the start of a, uh, a long custody battle, mm-hmm. which uh, drained a lot. It drained a lot of um, savings that they'd like obviously been putting into for me and my sister when we grew up. There's none of that left. It was all this big battle of who's going to have the kids. And eventually it turned out, obviously, that my dad got custody of us. So it was back over to the UK. Um, and I think that lasted a few years. So by the time I got back to the UK and went into school, it was, I was 15. So going into grade 10, Mm -hmm. that was an adjustment too, because if you, if you go to school in Spain and like, you don't get good enough marks, you just repeat the year. So, so you repeat the year. And obviously I did it maybe two or three times because I, I just thrust into a different language, right? I'd never learned it before. So I repeated <laughs> yeah. the year two or three times. So it was kind of the equivalent of me going from grade seven to grade 10. So oh, was, you didn't do the in-between grades. Yeah, exactly. So I was pretty good at science, which I enjoyed. I was horrific at English and terrible at maths as well. So that was a big <laughs> adjustment when I, uh, when I came back to school. But I got my head down, managed to... Um, managed to sort of slog it out it was good Mm -hmm. um and then i graduated and i decided to go to university university down south that's when i moved out home when i was 18 so in the south of the country uh got my student loans got my maintenance loans obviously they still exist it's still a lot of money (laughs) but um (laughs) But yeah, went down there, started university and things were going well. It was a big change up, but I mean, I'd, I'd moved around all my life, so it wasn't mm-hmm. an issue. Yeah, you're not um, used to that. Yeah, exactly. So it, it wasn't too bad and I found uh, it was a lot easier to gel with people for that, right? And again, mm-hmm. I never really, in, in my youth, I never really attributed that to anything, but it probably was because I was moved around so a lot, right? So I should be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my, in my first year of university, uh, that's when I started talking to my mom again. So I was, I was very frustrated as a teen. So I went without speaking to her for a year and a half, two years, because I just, it didn't make sense in my head how obviously this habit that she had hurt us so much. Mm-hmm. And why she didn't just ditch it. It just didn't make sense to me, right? And we'd fall out a lot about it and to the point where I'd just be like, okay, I'm going to take what you love the most, which is us, or like my sister made her own choice and she, they carried on talking. But I said, I'm just not going to talk to you. I just mm-hmm. don't think it's fair. It's hurting me too much. So that was like just before I got to university. So I started speaking to her again in my first year. And then halfway through my first year, she got diagnosed with uh, throat cancer. Mm-hmm. Quite a big blow. Um, so, yeah, that was a worry. And she was going through treatment. I remember I'd drive her car and I'd drive her to the hospital sometimes. And it was, uh, it was quite intense. Mm-hmm. It was different, right? And that's when it started sort of definitely my mental health I got a lot more anxious about things and like you compound that with being at university trying to meet new people going out and drinking all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, you'd end up doing some silly things and there's a difference between going out and drinking and having fun and then going out and drinking and not remembering 70% of the nights that you do right it's stupid Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and like while people do it people do go get blackout sometimes but there's 
I definitely took it to another level and it was a bit too much, mm-hmm. a bit too much. And uh, you could tell because now looking back on it, I'd be drinking and like, I'd always be the crier. And then they were like, why, why is Finn always crying when he gets drunk? And I think it was a lot of this pent up emotion, right? Of, of everything that was going on. And uh, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. So then um, first year finished, we went into second year and it looks like, what, sorry, um, what were you going to university for? Nutrition. So I oh, got my bachelor, yeah, my bachelor of science is in nutrition. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I'll have to circle back and yeah, yeah. go back and after I finish this relationship with, uh, with my mom. But basically, uh, I went into second year. Things looked good. Like she was responding to the treatment while the cancer was almost gone. What was she so, doing for treatment? Sorry. It was chemotherapy. Okay, it was chemo. So just your traditional allopathic treatment. That's another thing. So in the UK, a lot of uh, medicine, it's, it's mainly allopathic. You don't have naturopathic doctors. You don't really see a lot of these alternative therapies. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool learning curve for me when, when I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll get into that a bit later. She was, she was responding well to the chemo. It was pretty much done. And then I remember we were home for, well, I was home for the Christmas break. My sister was still at home, obviously, with my dad. And he came in one day with a real somber look on his face. And, uh, and he just told, oh, God, it's quite intense. He just, uh, he told my sister that my mom had passed away, like, the night before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was intense, man. Even when I'm saying it to you now, you can hear my voice cracking a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's... um. It's like someone like smashes you in the chest with a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. It was really intense. And my sister just ran out of the room crying. I was kind of like, I was just sat down. I couldn't really believe what happened, right? I was like, this is... It almost doesn't seem real crazy. at first. Oh, my God. I mean, it's a, it's a very different feeling. When it kind of blindsides you there, because you've been going through all that stress, and then it eases up. And then it's just like you're on a huge roller coaster ride that just drops you down and then the drop doesn't stop so you just have to like sit down and figure stuff out but it was mm-hmm. it was intense and uh yeah that was when like stuff started picking picking up for me on the mental health side like i didn't really know what to do like it went uh mm-hmm. it started morphing into different sort of things like too much partying closing myself off from people snapping at people i remember one day i went to one of my anatomy and physiology lectures and i was in there and all of a sudden i i got super hot and like broke out in cold sweats i started shaking my legs felt super light so i kind of walked out stumbled to the bathroom and just sat down i was like oh my god what's happening i thought i was going to throw up and then it just kind of subsided. And I had, I remember like, that was my first anxiety attack. I didn't know what it was at the time. I went to the doctor and I was like, like, what the hell's wrong with me? And he was like, sounds like you had an anxiety attack. I was like, I've never, I've never dealt with that before. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot. It was a very long, long healing process from that. And uh, I didn't think I could, I remember as I came home, again for a couple of weeks and I spoke to one of my friends and I was like I don't think I can finish my degree like I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. and uh I, I remember I was sat on the sofa at the house party and it was one of those drunken heart hearts and I remember my friend saying no you've got to do it you're like two and a half years in why won't you finish and that was a big a big sort of 
kick for me because I was like, I remember I, was, I just felt like I had to be at home with my sister and look after her. But she was saying the same thing. She was like, you've done this for two and a half years. Why don't you finish? Mm-hmm. So I finished my degree in the end. And then, uh, and then after I finished that, I was like, I have to do something. I want to go out. I want to see the world. So I worked a little bit as a server saved up a bit of money and like my mum loves traveling too hence why we were here there and everywhere all the time so i went around the world and then i touched down in canada and i was just like you know i'm gonna stay here for a little while and uh, <laughs> here we are so that's a span from about 18 to 26 but yeah it was it was quite intense yeah man that's quite the story it's a lot yeah. to share <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Sorry, I was talking for a very long time there. No, no, it's all good, man. Yeah, that's yeah, great. It was, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. But no, it was, it was good. And um, that's what I mean. I think anyone that you see on the street, you don't really know their story. You don't know what they've been through, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's good to sort of treat everyone with kindness and respect. You really don't know what they're going through. No. And I've only started learning to do that because I've always been in my little bubble like i said and i'm always of the mentality that like oh well if i can do stuff then other people can do it as well when really that's not the case like when i was young and flipping out of people and drinking they were probably like well why the hell is he doing that that's a weird thing to do right and i and i know i never really thought about it like that so now when i see someone who acts like that or who acts out of turn in a way that you wouldn't normally think it's like well what's going on behind there you know because mm-hmm. i know people i've got a friend who's had a past 10 times worse than that lost mm-hmm. both his parents very young one of them to suicide and i remember i actually met him on in australia when i was traveling and i was like holy fuck like that's mm-hmm. intense. like i thought i had it bad right and then there's someone who's just had it 10 times worse than me mm-hmm. so it's uh yeah it's in it's intense it's a lot but i i believe these experiences shape you right and Mm -hmm. they can either shape you for the worst or for the better but ultimately it's your reaction to everything Mm -hmm. so yeah that was my long colorful journey with mental health and there are a lot of a lot of things that helped me along the way for sure Mm -hmm. yeah that's uh i mean we honestly have a very similar past like you telling the story too, I'm like, man, <laughs> this sounds a lot like it, it, it hits a lot for me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar sort of thing for you? Or? Yeah. Similar thing with like back and forth in parents, uh, mother uh, into the alcohol um, and not talking to her for a very long time. Just like basically the same thing minus passing away that hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. So I've been very fortunate, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. intense. Right. And, and all those smaller things, like you mentioned, like, that's when you think it's normal, like going back and forth between two parents or not speaking to either one of them for extended periods of time, not seeing my dad for a couple of years here, not speaking to my mum for a year and a half here, mm-hmm. arguing over Christmas and stuff like that. It's very different. And so I actually met my girlfriend in Thailand on the first leg of my trip. Mm-hmm. She's here. She actually lives in Whistler. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> oh, she's amazing. And um I came here, started living with her, and then obviously I wouldn't go home every Christmas, so I'd spend Christmas at her place, and it was like, everyone sat around the dinner table. Like, everyone. Like, <laughs> sisters, 
mom, dad, sometimes they'd have family, friends. And I was like, this is so strange, but I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's really interesting, right? I was like, wow, this is, that was, that was another big sort of turning point for me because I was like, this is super different. But yeah. Yeah. You really don't start to notice until you start like partaking in in other people's lives at like an older age, Mm -hmm. uh, I think. Because even when I was younger, I don't know how much I noticed. Like, you didn't really spend that much time as a younger kid with other families, like I didn't, at least. Mm. Um, But as you get older and start meeting new people and really, like, taking part in other people's lives, I think you start to see a lot of differences, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's cool. I think it's it's good to see. It's good to know where you come from and, like, it's an eye-opener. Well, I don't know about for you, but for me, it was a huge eye-opener. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, I kind of see why it's, why it's interesting. When you realize you can come from a place of, instead of having it attached to emotion or having your blinkers on, mm-hmm. you can come to another place and compare it. And you're like, this is very interesting. I wonder if this influenced my behavior in the past, which is good. Like, I, 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 I should never say... I think it's a fine line between blaming certain behaviors on your past and then like acknowledging them and being like, Oh, okay, maybe I was behaving this way because of it. I don't have to behave that way anymore. Yeah. There's a difference between using it as an excuse and just like being aware of it and moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that's really key here. And to be honest with a lot of mental issues, I think it's, realizing why you're behaving a certain way or what's affecting you in a certain way and then trying to move past it Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that can help with that i mean but essentially it has to come from you first that realization has to come and that realization that you have the power to change that you Mm -hmm. can't change what happened but you can change your reaction to it you know Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that's that's the super power feeling you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was, there was certainly a lot of things that helped me along the way. So, I mean, we mentioned martial arts briefly. Mm-hmm. In the intro, I'd, martial arts was huge for me for more reasons than one. So when I was younger, um, going back to when we were in Spain, I was never really an athletic kid. I was always picked last for sports teams, very anxious about certain things. So I never really liked in partaking in team sports in England football or soccer is very big right and i'm just useless at it. i'm so bad i'm the worst englishman to talk to about soccer i don't follow teams i'm really shit at it like very <laughs> shit and um and yeah and it, it all stemmed from all this anxiety of like being picked last last for sports teams i didn't like people laughing at me i didn't like exposing myself or like looking kind of weak or not being good at something. So I just wouldn't do it. And Mm -hmm. it wouldn't just be soccer, it'd be anything. So I would much rather just close myself in my room, play video games um, and not partake in any of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So growing up, obviously when you don't exercise a lot and that's your main pastime, you end up carrying a bit of extra weight. I think by the time I was 12, I was considered like morbidly obese, severely overweight in the UK. So it was quite a lot. And uh, I remember like I was just, I didn't want to do any of these things. But the games I played were like beat-em-up games like Tekken. Did you ever play Tekken? I know the game, but I've never played it. 
that game's so good. I used to play a lot of Tekken. Um, and I used to love all the old martial arts films. So I loved The Matrix. I loved Rocky. I loved all of these action films. And I remember one day my mom was like, oh, you should do something like that. You should take up like Taekwondo or Karate. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. And then one day... Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep yeah. watching it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, one day my mom decided that that was it. She didn't want that sort of life for her kid. And she, I remember she just pulled me into the car, kicking and screaming, dropped me off at this karate dojo in Spain and uh, threw me through the doors and was like, don't let him out. I'm going to pick him up in an hour. <laughs> and uh, sure, I was like, I can't believe she's doing this, but uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I sat down for the first 10 minutes in a sulk and then the, uh, the professor was just having none of it. And he was like, you're going to join in out of respect. And I joined in and I loved it. I was mm-hmm. hooked. It was, um, it was incredible. It was like the first time I'd ever done something where like I was completely zoned in because I had to be. I was mm-hmm. working all these things I'd never worked before. I was getting this endorphin high. I was learning how to move my body in structured movements. And it was incredible. And I was mm-hmm. like, and I've seen like, I have you watched The Matrix? You know, when I've, I've watched it, but it's been a long time. It's pretty badass. He puts on his kimono and then he's like got his belt on and he learns Kung Fu. And I'm like, this is cool shit. So when I put on the kimono, I was like, this is really cool. And I really <laughs> enjoyed it. So I, uh, I kept doing that in Spain up until probably around 14. And then I came back to England, uh, did some more karate for a bit. And then that slowly evolved into the more aggressive martial arts. So I did a bit of point fighting kickboxing. Uh, competed a little bit when I was younger and mm-hmm. then that evolved into full contact kickboxing uh, stopped a little bit throughout university because money was quite tight and then I came back to it when I was traveling actually I did some white eye in Thailand for two months mm-hmm. and now I train here at a gym called Universal MMA just in North Vancouver and uh, I took up jujitsu which is one of the most humbling things ever I'm, I mean the first time I tried it I think it was, he was a 15 year old who I had like 30 pounds on and he submitted me like maybe three or four times in five minutes. <laughs> what on earth is going on? And I thought I was a bit of hot shit, right? I've been training yeah. for a little while. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. So big into jujitsu right now. That's the one I'm doing a bit more of just because, I mean, the impact on the head isn't a great thing to have. And with work and everything like that, it's, Mm-hmm. a bit stressful so i'm doing a bit more jujitsu now trying to save the ears they're not looking too bad <laughs> um but yeah that was martial arts was huge for me and in terms of how it shaped me it's it's been incredible i mean from when i was younger to dropping a bunch of weight like you can sort of see now i'm not an unhealthy weight by any means <laughs> no. um but i was i i really i really enjoy it I really enjoy it and you're constantly trying to better yourself and it's something where there's so much to learn. I'm it's not kind of like one I don't want to say more simple because every sport's difficult but let's say you do baseball, right? You have to work on your your swing and your sprint and your throw. Mm-hmm. Those are three things, right? That you have to work on. When you're doing multiple disciplines of martial arts or MMA, you have to work on wrestling, kickboxing, you could do karate, jujitsu, and there's so many different moves based on that. And then when you dive into it even deeper, 
there's so many ways you can do those moves based on your body type. Mm-hmm. Like I'm six foot five and quite lean. If I try and do something that someone who's, let's say, five foot eight and same weight as me, I'm not going to be as successful, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's very different ways you can manipulate your body. And it's just fantastic to always be learning, but also always be competing against yourself. That's mm-hmm. the thing I really like about martial arts because you constantly have to get better. And it's frustrating. It's really annoying, especially when <laughs> someone beats you. Like you get so frustrated deep down. And, it's, and to me, it's like the ultimate test of your ego because if someone beats you in combat, that's it. Let's be honest. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Especially in jujitsu. Like jujitsu is a funny thing because you, you are submitting. You're saying, okay, you got me. That's it. Mm-hmm. And anyone who listens to like the Joe Rogan podcast and all of that, they'll hear them say the same thing, but it's really true. And when you do it, it's pretty gutting. So you realize that you're the one who made it finish because you're the one who's like, okay, <laughs> I want this to stop. And that's really frustrating, but it kind of fuels you forward. And you're like, okay, I don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of those lessons that you can carry on through life, right? Mm-hmm. You have this traumatic event that happens. You practice a way to react to it so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, and you can carry that on all the way through. And if there's one thing I'd say everyone should try, it's it's martial arts. There's one out there for everyone. There's so many different ones. You can be 80 years old and arthritic and take up tai chi. There's so many different things that you can mm-hmm. do. But if I had a bit of advice for everyone, it's like go try martial arts. It's so much fun. It's super frustrating and annoying, but it's <laughs> a lot of fun for the same reasons that make it frustrating and annoying. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. And like, how much time do you spend training? Like usually now, like a few days a week or six days a week. Okay, I do for, six days a week, and then like I'll a, probably do minimum two hours a day. Oh, that's quite a bit then. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm I'm addicted, man. It's addictive. <laughs> it's addictive behavior. But I really, I really do enjoy it. And I'm not addicted to the point of like, I'll injure my body and keep going. Like I, I do have some nagging ones, but. That was more from when I was trying to get fights and all of them got cancelled. Super frustrating. It's very hard to get fights in Canada. Mm. Well, now with COVID, I mean, nothing's happening. But I'm addicted in a way because I really like improving. Mm-hmm. Improving myself, not only physically, but mentally too. And that's, and that's a really important thing for me. And I want to keep doing that until I'm not able to anymore. Mm-hmm. And right now, like, do you train in a facility or do you do your own stuff at home too? Like, is there... In a facility, mostly. I've actually, I, like, me and my coach have a really good relationship, so I have a key to the gym. So sometimes I'll go down there and just hit the bag in the morning. But most of the time, it's just going there for the classes. They've got good protocols in place now with mm-hmm. the social distancing and everything and making sure that you're partnering up with the same person each time you go. Which again gets kind of limiting, but it's also it's what you have to do right now. Yeah, yeah. Don't really have a choice. Yeah. Well yeah, that's awesome. You can still do it though. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, when this whole COVID thing hit actually, that was actually a, a huge shift for me too, as I imagine it was for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, when COVID hit, everyone's sort of routines got turned upside down. Work got a lot more quiet for me. We ran out of a lot of stuff at work, so I was doing very short days and then it's like, you're locked inside. You can't go anywhere. The gym was shut for a month and it's like, what do I do? And it's kind of weird because then like your home then becomes your eating space, your relaxing space, your working space, your gym. 
and it's just too much. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, Vancouver rent's high. I don't live in a big apartment, so it can get very, <laughs> it can get suffocating, right? And you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, God, I need to get out somewhere. And you don't realize, like, especially, so I spend so much time at the gym, like minimum 12 hours a week. That's my social time. I don't really mm-hmm. go out. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not fussed that they've got all these restrictions on bars and stuff like that. A lot of my social time is just catching up with the guys before and after class. But when that finished and I didn't have a lot going on, I was like, what did I do again? What, like, <laughs> I was like losing sense of purpose. But then it kind of turned into a positive in the end because I got to read a lot more. I, I saw something on your guys' Instagram, actually. You were doing a book giveaway. One of the books on there, Biology of Belief, I read during the whole break. That was fantastic. Yeah, it's an awesome book. Really good book. Especially if you're like nerdy and into the science too. Big fan. Big yeah. Fan no, it's yeah, that, that one's good. It's pretty applicable to anything too, just the whole belief factor, yeah. like what, how much of a role it plays. For sure. And I think it's really good. It's a very good book for like skeptics as well, as well that are so interested in like the white papers and all of that. Like I was like doing a Bachelor of Sciences. That was the only research I was pushed to consider. Mm-hmm. Was that scientific evidence. But when you have someone that can break down that link between something that isn't well understood yet and then the effects of it on the body. Super cool. Especially mm-hmm. the measurable changes on it. I was, yeah, pretty stoked on that book. Yeah, it's wild how now they can actually like record that and give you data behind it too, pretty much. Yeah, man. I mean you can't really argue with it. <laughs> pretty crazy. And like trying not to sound like a geriatric already. I'm I'm only like 26, but do you remember when like how old are you? Do you mind me asking? I'm 27, so somewhere. 27. So pretty much same age, right? So when we were younger, the craziest thing to me now looking back on it is how quick mobile phones have developed. I remember, I'd, I think it was just before we went to Spain, so I was eight or nine years old, and my mom had one of those tiny little, um, the Motorola flip phones. Oh, the Razor? No, no. Even oh, before, before the Razor. The really small one with the tiny little detachable an- antenna. It was like Motorola's first like small flip phone. Mm-hmm. And it looks like one of those toy phones that you get now that have like candy in them from a cheap shop. <laughs> but like it was so small because they'd just gone from these big old brick phones and they were like, okay, how do we make the phone so small? So they went tiny. And I was just like, wow, that was not long ago. When you think about it, like 14 years ago to the point where like, okay, I'm British, so big fan of harry potter right you guys probably enjoy it too but i remember like when the film came out and you were like oh my god moving pictures and newspapers if you pick up your phone now you've essentially got that Mm -hmm. you've essentially got it which before we were regarding as magic or like gifts someone sends you a gift and it starts moving like your brain doesn't make that connection but Mm -hmm. not very long ago we thought that was magic Mm -hmm. right we were like oh my god imagine if newspapers actually moved but now it's like technology's come so quickly in the span of 14 years that mm-hmm. it's like, oh no, this is actually a reality now. They're getting rid of cameras because your phone can do it all. Someone took a photo uh, at the long weekend on their like, I think it was iPhone 11 or something. Yeah, the new fancy ones. Oh my God, I looked at it. I was like, Jesus Christ. Picks up every little detail on your face. I was like, damn, I am looking old now. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's pretty yeah. it's pretty wild how quick technologies come forward right mm-hmm. and like, huge 
now that you're seeing that on the medical side of things, I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a killer book. Like one of my highly recommended. You talking biology of belief or the yeah. Harry Potter saga? Yeah. It's pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read that in forever. My parents used to read that to me when I was young. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know what we have? We had, uh, do you know Stephen Fryers? No. Stephen Fry. He's incredible guy in the UK, talk show host, uh, professor in English, but he used to release uh, audio CDs. So we used to listen to those in the car and that was amazing. Like though he released them of Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, he would just read it out loud and record read it. Out loud on a CD. The best. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that was before audio books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Sweet. Well, I one with the um, martial arts stuff too, like you were saying, you kind of like that's your social thing that you talk with them there before and after. Like, what are the people? How, like, is it a divide uh, a diverse group of people, or does it go by like age group? Or are you kind of like connecting with all ages and male and female when you're there? Yeah, it's it's super diverse. Mm-hmm. It's super diverse. That that's a really good question, actually. Um, there are very different ages. There are some really young guys, like 17, 18, uh, 21. And then you've got people who come in. I mean, we had a guy in last night who's 54. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, super diverse. And, and again, it will depend, right? I think the and older... You guys, sorry, and you guys, like, kind of all connect and talk together, too. For sure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I really like it. And, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of forcing you into this environment. It's kind of like an office, right? Where you, where you get a bunch of people together that wouldn't normally mix. Mm-hmm. But instead of it being for super extended periods of time, it's just <laughs> an hour or a couple of hours. Yeah. And it's also doing an activity which really exposes you. And like, it really exposes you. It exposes your mental weakness, your physical weakness. And, uh, I mean, it's not for the faint-hearted. It, it, we're very lucky that we've got a coach, one of the best coaches, I, in fact, the best coach I've ever trained under. I think he's one of the best in the world. But he's very good at sort of controlling that group and making sure that everyone treats each other with respect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a very intense thing. You get a young guy who gets beaten and he's like flipping out and he's really annoyed. I mean, I've been there. I get <laughs> when I get beaten. Um, and you get all these people mixing together, but it's such a good environment because it exposes you to these people. It exposes your weakness in front of them and you end up sharing this bond. And the language of martial arts or the language of fighting is something that translates across different age groups, across different body types. It's, It's very universal. Like once you learn it, it's a very universal language that you speak. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's really cool. And in terms of breakdown of men and women, there's definitely more guys than girls right now. Um, but more girls are getting into it, which I really like. And I really do credit that to, like, honestly, the way the UFC, like, portray their athletes. I think it's one of the best sports in the world for female athletes right now. Mm-hmm. They're very well represented in the sport. But, no, I think, I think it's super cool. Everyone should do it, like I say. Absolutely everyone. I'll have to try it again one day. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, have you tried any martial arts before? Like when I was younger, uh, I was in Taekwondo. Nice. That was one I always wish I did. I see Taekwondo <laughs> guys kicking now and I'm like, damn. I've done that one. 
that, that was like so long ago. I don't even really remember what the hell we did. Yeah. Belt or anything that I've got near, but yeah. It's I, good. Man. As I would highly recommend even jujitsu, like jujitsu is pretty big right now. So you've got a lot of people training it. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. I knew a guy in high school who did a lot of that. He loved it. Mm. Yeah. It's incredible, man. And it's, it's a really nice thing to do. And again, like I say, you can, you can be social with it. Mm-hmm. Which is quite fun. But um, I was going to say something there <laughs> about mixing. I've lost my train of thought. I'll come back to it if I think about it. Okay. Um, do you want to go back to the nutrition kind of school and how that, well, I'm assuming that's what brought you into like the realm of mushrooms and what you've got going on now. Yeah, definitely. It, it really or like, did. Or like, why did you choose to go to nutrition school out of like, was there a reason? It's a very good question. There was a long, there's a long sort of process, but I'll try and trim it down because I know I'm a bit of a talker. So I kind of, uh, so around that time, obviously I told you I was very overweight and then I started going to karate, exercising a bit more. And then I was like, okay, well now I better lose the weight. So I started trying to figure out on my own all the things to do to lose the weight. And that actually kind of rebounded. So the pendulum swung a bit too far the other way. So I'd end up exercising a whole bunch and then getting into really bad eating habits. So I'm talking like anorexia level, like you go on the forums and like I'd eat a tiny bit for breakfast, leave the rest of it. My mom would be like, what's up? And then I'd chew gum all day until I had to come home and then eat dinner. Mm. So like I wouldn't eat at school, eat dinner, try and leave a bit, repeat that cycle. And I end up, ended up losing a whole bunch of weight, getting very weak. And then, uh, so when I came back to the UK, this was all while I was in Spain, I came back to the UK and like saw these men's health magazines and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, look at this guy on the front. He's so jacked. This is where all my answers are going to be. So I went into the men's health magazine and it was just more nonsense. I hate to say it. They, They can be useful. They can be useful if you know what you're doing. If you have a nutrition degree and you read it and then you can go and like validate the claims, they can be useful for anyone else who just takes everything at face value in there. It's nonsense. I hate to think how much money I wasted on supplements when I was younger. Hate to think about it. Um, It was probably a lot. So I remember getting to 18 and in my head, I'd always wanted to be a paramedic. And then I went through the interview process and stuff like that and saw a few universities And I got rejected by my three choices, which was actually a blessing in disguise. Cause I mean, being a paramedic first responder, it's now that's a tough job, Mm -hmm. really tough hours, a lot of stress. And to be honest, I don't know if I, I I could have done it. I believe I could have done everything, anything, but I don't think I would have been happy. And I don't think I necessarily would have been good at it. So Mm -hmm. when that happened, I was exploring other options. And nutrition was one of them. And I was like, fine, I'll go do I'll, nutrition. I've always been interested in it. And uh, I did that. And going through university, I was just like, wow, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of misinformation. And I mean, all the mental health stuff aside of comparing yourself to other people, especially those people on the front of men's health magazines, all of that stuff aside, there's a ton of misinformation out there that can just impact your physical health. That's mm-hmm. 
complete misinformation. So I really, I remember finishing my degree and I was like, everyone should have the information that I just got in these three years. I really think it should be part of the public school system, to be honest. Oh, 100%. I, I think it's crazy that it's not. Because once you start fixing that and you learn how to eat properly and how food can be a ton of different things, right? People can use food as a mental crutch. People can use food uh, socially. People can use food for fuel. You learn about all these different facets of food and health, not only mental health, uh, not only physical health, but mental health as well. Um, so that was really eye-opening for me. I'm really glad that I did it. But um, I ended up coming over here and actually working in a supplement store. And it was a really good supplement store. I honestly thought all supplement stores were the devil. And I was like, no, they're just here to sell you stuff. I, I kind of thought of them a lot of, as like a GNC. Mm-hmm. There's a new flavor of the month. We have to sell X amount of this product per month. And this supplement store that I worked at wasn't like that. I remember I went in on my first day and the CEO was like, it was, it was a startup at the time when I came. And the CEO was like, hey, if you don't believe in a product, we don't want you to sell it somewhat. Mm-hmm. And that really rang true to me. I was like, oh, damn. And like, there were, <laughs> there were no like sales targets in the sense of like, product for product we want you to push this this month it was like no we want you to force to connect with people and figure out if anything in here can help them mm-hmm. it's pretty cool and when you start looking at supplements for what they are supplementary that is what they are then you can start actually getting a lot of benefit from them the problem comes when you rely on supplements just for everything mm-hmm. you know, you've got people who have a protein shake and then a fast acting carb drink or one of my least favorite weight gainers. Those things are fucking terrible. They're so bad for you. Like weight gainers, they're awful. Um, when you like, when you start branching into that stuff, it's, it's not good. Right. But then you mm-hmm. have other things. It's like, Oh, well dial your nutrition in. And then what do you not get daily? Right. There's a big problem with magnesium, particularly in North America now. So it's like maybe have a bit of extra magnesium that'll help you relax a bit at night. Maybe someone can't sleep, so they go for a melatonin. Maybe someone's a bit anxious, so they go for an L-theanine. All of these things that can really help calm you down that aren't as aggressive as, let's say, an antidepressant or some of the more allopathic things you've got. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, sorry, what was the question initially? Nutrition and why you got into it. Yeah, so it stemmed from all of that. Yeah, yeah being overweight and getting into it that way. Um, But yeah, now that I was here, so back to my degree, it was a very science-based degree. And again, I was taught sort of follow the science. And I came over here and I mentioned it briefly earlier in the podcast is that was a huge paradigm shift for me because I went from this completely evidence-based thing to here you've got things that don't necessarily have the evidence base, but are very huge, like, chiropractors for example i know a lot of people who've been to chiropractors and they swear by them Mm -hmm. and their symptoms whatever their pain is it's been healed right so who am i to say oh no chiropractic uh chiropractic practice is nonsense Mm -hmm. who am i to say that It, it, it helps people you know what i mean and like naturopathic doctors that focus on like herbs and all of that sort of thing as a way of healing that to me was completely foreign. I mean, I knew nothing about medicinal mushrooms or ashwagandha or any of those things until I came here. Ayurvedic medicine, 
And these things are really powerful. So working in that store, I was actually exposed to a lot of other people who did different, who had different educational backgrounds. So they go mm -hmm. to like the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition or um, what's the other big one? The Institute of Holistic Nutrition. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And they, they do those courses and they learn a whole bunch. And I was around these people every day and they were teaching me a ton of things. And uh, it was when I was in the store, actually, that I was acquainted with the products of the company that I work for now, Purica. And they focus more on medicinal mushrooms or natural anti-inflammatories. And when I talk about medicinal mushrooms, I'm not talking about the magic kind that get you high. I'm talking about stuff like lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, turkey tail, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I started looking into them. I was like, mushrooms. I know you stir fry them, shiitake, oyster, that sort of thing. And then you start looking into it and you find out that lion's mane is one of the most potent stimulators of nerve growth factor that you can get from your diet. Mm -hmm. and you look at cordyceps. There's cordyceps, like cordyceps that Purica produces can increase ATP by around 30%. It's a huge amount. And then you've got other things like reishi that's really good for reducing cortisol. You've got turkey tail that's been used in Japan to actually help combat breast cancer. All of these really powerful things. So I was hooked. I was blown away, blown away by the company. I, before I'd even met anyone from Purica, I was taking their supplements because I got a good discount on them when I bought them at the store. Mm -hmm. And uh, the biggest ones for me were like cordyceps and lion's mane. Wow. For like jujitsu, anything aerobic, like anything where you're pushing yourself physically, cordyceps is like a cheat code, man. Honestly, you just like, you just don't get tired like you used to. Mm. It's incredible. And I've come off it a couple of times because I'm like, no, it's just in my head. But you come off it and you're like, you notice that drop. You just can't go as long as you could before. And then I take Lion's Mane too. And I've noticed like subtle changes in memory and being able to like focus for long periods of time when I don't take it. But that one's a bit more like behind the scenes sort of action. But again, like mm -hmm. sort of powerful things that you can take that are completely natural and don't hurt you. I think they're incredible. Really mm -hmm. cool stuff. And those will be in like pill form. You can get the pill form or powder form. I, I always go powder. Like general, the general rule for anyone, typically if a company offers powder and pills, you're always going to get a better deal with the powder. There's just simply less production yeah. cost to it, right? And there's simply less. So um, what do you do when you take it then with just the powder? Like you put it in a drink or like? I throw it in coffee usually. Although I, I like to take breaks from coffee too because like it's just nice to maintain that caffeine tolerance. But if not, I'm a bit of a savage. I just dry scoop it. It's not, I don't advise people do that, but you can throw it in a smoothie or whatever, mm -hmm. right? You can throw it in a drink. It's fine. Cordyceps honestly doesn't taste like much. Lion's mane is a bit mushroomy. So if people struggle with that, then I would, uh, I'd put it in a drink for sure. And like compared to like, cause you must know Four Sigmatic then. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool company. I like that company. So compared to that, like their theirs is already mixed with like it's basically like a drink mix. Yeah, I just feel like it's super common now. Like I see them everywhere, but I'm always kind of like, yeah, it's a good way to do it, right? And again, it's it's the same thing. I'd I'd advise people. I, I'll never turn people away from taking mushrooms, but it's like if you like the four sigmatic drinks, 
then start trying it on your own. I think they have more economical sizes of powders too. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be a bit better for you in terms yeah. of cost, right? Like you're still going to get benefit. Those things aren't cheap. They're like a yeah. couple bucks a packet. Well, well, yeah, but you've got to think as well, like a lot goes into that. You've got to grow mm-hmm. mushrooms, you've got to process them, make sure you extract them. Mm-hmm. Like it, fun, fungi are very very sensitive species right they can be contaminated easily with molds and stuff so there's a lot of safety checks and stuff that have to go into it when you're producing that sort of volume right Mm -hmm. Um, so it's understandable but yeah i mean there's always ways around it buying your own powder making your own coffee and then throwing it in there there's a lot of stuff you can do Mm -hmm. but yeah it's they're very powerful things and the reason i like supplementing with them so much is because they really are the truest definition of a supplement. I mean, people aren't going out every day and picking cordyceps off wild caterpillars or grabbing lion's mane and making sure to get all the mycelium out of the ground. First of all, if you did that, you'd decimate lots of land. And second of all, like, where are you going to find it? You can't control for any of these molds and stuff that are in there. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be getting these things in your diet. So it's a good thing to supplement with, right? Mm-hmm. Conversely to having a bunch of protein shakes instead of just making your own food, right? And again, mm-hmm. protein shakes, I'm not saying they don't have their value, but you shouldn't rely on them all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, that sort sure. of thing. Whereas like mushrooms, it's that sort of thing you can take pretty much all the time to get the benefit from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something you can't really get, at least those mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah. So how long have you been working with the, the mushroom company? since we're so working for them i've been working for them since november but i mean they were a prominent brand in the store that i worked at before then right right um so yeah coming up on a year now but i love them honestly like i love that brand so much and i just put a feeler out one day i was like hey if you're ever hiring let me know and then uh my rep at the time who's now my boss he was like oh yeah i'll let you know and then two months down the line uh, the CEO was taking me out for dinner and an interview. So I was like, this is amazing. I was super stoked. And are they based in Vancouver? Duncan. So on the island. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, super cool company. They're run by two uh, local Duncan boys over there. And it's uh, it's really, they're great. They're such a good company. And again, it's one of, obviously they, they care about growth, but it's not like push these products on people. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very much like they want you to be passionate about the entire line, which I am. Like, touch wood, there's nothing in there that I don't agree with. All the products they make are fantastic. And then just go out and share that pattern with retailers. And if retailers respond to it and they like it and they can work with it, then great. And if they can't or they don't align with us on a personal aspect too and what the company's about, then maybe it's not a good fit, right? Mm-hmm. But no, they're, they're such a good company. I just love them. They treat me really well. That's awesome. I'll yeah. try it. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know what? I can probably hook you up with some stuff too. I was, I'll get your uh, email or your number after this. You let me know what you want to try. And Okay, cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, man. It's, and there's so many cool things, right? I mean, mushrooms, naturally, they're very they have profound effects on the immune system. They can bring it up where it's needed or bring it down too. So 
they're going through a big growth phase right now. And especially with the current climate that we're in, it's like everyone's now focusing on what they can do to help improve their immunity, mm -hmm. right? which is, I think is great. I mean, you're getting people that are out cycling on the roads that don't really step out of the house usually. I think that's a wonderful thing. You've got more mm -hmm. people joining up at gyms, even though there's a lot more barriers now, like you have to book your sessions and do this and do that. There are a lot more people doing that. And this COVID scare has been kind of a wake up call for people to be like, okay, I need to focus on my health a bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super important. So. What are they, are they launching new products that will be like immunity based or? I mean, we have quite a few immunity based already. products. Yeah. Already. That are, that are very popular or it's just going through big growth phase because of what's going on people are buying more of it it was going through a growth phase even before just because people are starting to realize how powerful medicinal mushrooms are and again like you get some of the giants in the industry like four sigmatic um like uh what's the other guy host events um paul stamets did a couple of joe rogan experiences right and people start talking about them. And I think that really helped with the growth of it. Mm -hmm. Now, again, with more people focusing on immunity and what they can do for natural health, uh, for their health, like turning towards those supplements, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. And even before then, man, like there's a lot of branching into the other side of things like the magic mushrooms. There are a lot of research studies happening on those before COVID hit. Like now COVID hit, a lot of the research dollars are being pulled away from that like psilocybin as treatment mm -hmm. and now we're going towards sort of finding a vaccine for covid right but yeah. that's a really cool thing too and there was a lot of talk even before then like doing microdosing or stacking like psilocybin with lion's mane or psilocybin with reishi and stuff like that to really gain profound mm. um neurological benefits which i find pretty cool it's yeah pretty there's cool. a lot of stuff around that now ton of cool stuff and i mean if like if you ever try that sort of thing if you ever try like a psychedelic experience with magic mushrooms you'll realize how powerful they are like mm -hmm. they can be really intense i remember my first experience it happened and i was like wow this is a lot it was quite <laughs> funny i remember when i first did it i uh i uh i had it and you know you know like when you have an argument with someone and then like you're thinking about it for ages and you're like, what could I have said to win that argument? What could I have said? And then you can, you're in the shower and you're like, damn, I should have said this. I should have said this. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I, uh, I was doing mushrooms at uh, a beach in Tofino with like a couple of my best friends and we had our first experience together. And then we all went to bed and I was in the tent and I was thinking back to all these old fights I had. And I was like, how could I have like stopped that, you know? Like, mm -hmm. how could I have gone back and just been like, why, why the hell are we arguing about this? You know what I mean? And I remember I messaged my dad because there's a bit of a time difference in the UK. So it would have been just when he was waking up. And I was like, hey, I want to call you tomorrow. Like tomorrow when I wake up, let's say 8 p.m. your time. And I remember chatting to him because we had a big fight when we were younger. And it was over the stupidest shit, man. It was like, we almost came to blows over me not tidying my room. And then I had a bit of a hissy fit and like, left the house for two weeks but that was a big thing for us it's like you shouldn't really come to blows with your own son right and it was mm -hmm. like there was a lot of resentment there and i was like I, I just called him up i was like damn i'm really sorry i shouldn't have like i shouldn't have not, i should have just fucking tidied the room <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah like it's your house <laughs> 
I understand it's my room and it's your house. And you know, he was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have got as angry at you. <laughs> and it's <laughs> nice, right? Like you have those healing experiences. And when, um, so as I was looking into a bit of the research uh, behind psilocybin and why it, why it works. And from what I understand, and I could be wrong, and if anyone listening to this knows better than great, but from what I understand, it's it stops certain connections between two parts of the brain firing uh, simultaneously. So it stops, what would be the best way to illustrate it? So let's say like you have a traumatic experience and the bit that registered that is somewhere in your brain, right? There'll be a totally different part of your brain that fires alongside when you think about that experience. Mm -hmm. That's your perception of it. So let's say you have a traumatic event and then you think about the event and then you're like, oh God, I don't like that. Your heart rate creeps up and that sort of thing. When you're on psilocybin, it stops the, the connections between those bundles from working. So in a way, it decreases brain activity between those two bundles, which is quite powerful because then instead of firing, like looking at that experience and getting that negative perception firing, you can look at that experience and then pick a new connection right and that's where that neuroplasticity comes in neuroplasticity is that ability to be able to form new connections in the brain so instead of having the traumatic experience fire in that negative perception you can have that traumatic experience fire and then you're like okay let's build a new connection and that's why it can be so powerful for let's say PTSD or anything like that. So you think about someone with a real traumatic event going into a therapist and like being locked up. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. And it takes weeks, months, maybe even years to get through to them. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a little dose of something. It doesn't have to be crazy. I think even they're talking about microdoses now. They have a dose of that and then maybe you cut that time down by half. Maybe mm -hmm. it takes weeks or months. Right? Like how powerful is that, right? When you combine it with other things, it's not just to say, oh, go take five grams of mushrooms, you're going to feel great. Absolutely not. But if you, if you start legalizing it for its right purpose, not as a party drug, not as this thing with a bunch of stigma, and you start allowing professionals to use it, real people who know what they're doing, these therapists, imagine how much you could help people, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty cool. And I'm excited, hopefully once of course they've tackled this global pandemic for research to resume in that area mm -hmm. yeah it'd be interesting to see what happens like legalizing it and stuff if if that'll happen yeah i mean you look at certain places i don't know if they've legalized it but they've decriminalized it in certain places in the states right mm, okay i think that's what they say in like denver and stuff but who knows man i think it's it's pretty cool i mean i was still working at uh, the store that I was working at before when the whole microdosing started gaining traction and a lot more people were trying it and people really enjoyed it. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of people just like, Fuck yeah, yeah, let's go do mushrooms. It was like, no, how can this benefit me? Which mm -hmm. is quite cool. And I think it's, it's just that paradigm shift that needs to happen, right? The people in legislation are still thinking about it as that party drug and stuff like that and something that's not very regulated that can send people loopy. And I'm not saying that there aren't any negative effects. I'm sure there are. If you go and do like a crazy bunch of mushrooms and you don't know what it's going to bring up to your surface, it probably could mess you up, to be honest. Mm -hmm. but if you 
learn how to use them properly, they can be very powerful. It's just like anything. Yeah. Yeah, anything. Even the martial arts I'm banging on about. If you're super addicted to it, but then you get early onset arthritis at 28 and you can't move, what's your quality of life going to be like after that? You know, you can abuse anything. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely that fine balance. But I think they can definitely be a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder too if they'd ever sell them like, you know, how they do with weed now and marijuana stuff, like just the government stores, which like I know some people actually just like that because it's, I don't know, like people, and it seems safer, I think, for people to go buy it. Mm from well, a store like package instead of like from some random dude in a ziploc bag yeah yeah well exactly right and with mushrooms as well like we were saying before they're very sensitive so you might have like a good batch of mushrooms that yeah sure they give you a good high but then what if those mushrooms have a mold on that you can't identify like you're not a botanist or like a mycologist, you don't know. What if that really messes up your gut or you get a parasite from it or they haven't been dried properly? There's no regulation, right? Like that's that's the problem with it. So I think, yeah, who knows, man. If they legalize them recreationally, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can see it happening in like maybe the next 10 years or so recreationally. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, no. Because yeah. well, someone even told me too, like the the stems and the like tops i don't know what they're actually called but even those are like total contain totally different amounts of like psilocybin and stuff so depending like which part you're eating and things too but i don't know i had that too i had that too so that can be and again that can be quite dangerous and difficult to dose right especially Mm -hmm. as kids that that's another thing i really i applaud what they've done with marijuana here in terms of regulating it because I think the biggest issue with marijuana is when teenagers get into it. I think that's a big problem. I, I knew a kid in the UK that really regret, regrets getting into it because he just became a recluse. Mm-hmm. Like video games. And now like we talk to him and he's like, damn, I feel like I missed out on like a good few years of my life with my, with like my core friendship group. And like, so you can't dwell on that, but it can be an issue, right? Especially when your brain's not finished developing. Mm-hmm. I get so sensitive to these sorts of things like marijuana, mushrooms, the same, anything, any of these drugs can be very detrimental to the developing brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think them doing what they did here with the regulations is there's definitely a way to do it. Right. There's a way mm-hmm. to make it safer. So Yeah. No. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it's definitely good. I think, but um, I'm not a regular user, so I don't know <laughs> either. <laughs> It never really affected me too much. Yeah. Well, everyone's different, right? I I come here and I speak to some of my friends back home and uh, it was really funny, actually. So when my best friends came over that time to visit me, I took them into... This was when, like, marijuana had... The dispensaries weren't fully legal, but they were just everywhere, right? You Mm -hmm. had marijuana dispensaries everywhere. And, like, I took him in there... And he thought it was a stick up. He thought like someone was going to jump out and like put him in cuffs or something. Cause it's still illegal in the UK, right? <laughs> yeah. It was the funniest thing. He was so awkward. I remember going <laughs> and the, the, the lady at the counter was like, uh, Oh, what do you want? Like in the cool sativa. And he was just like, um, <laughs> <weed?"> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. It was the best thing. Oh, 
That is funny. I mean, yeah, I've only been into one once, and like it did seem weird. I was like, it's kind of like I'm just in a candy store for weed. They have, like, it's very strange. Yeah. It's very strange. I went into one that was like, it was like very surreal experience for me. Like I went in and it was like they had they had like the weed in these like plastic cases with magnifying glasses around a nice big wooden table. Everyone was in like aprons and stuff, and I was like, what is this this is crazy i couldn't believe it it's very very interesting yeah it's like a i don't know it's cool though like nice mm. to be able to go in and see it all and not feel weird about it yeah yeah the stigma is slowly dissolving but it's is different right it's there's a bunch of different things even by country all these like little things like in the uk all the booze is sold in grocery stores right right, right? so you can go to like our Walmart equivalent is Asda. It's actually owned by Walmart. But you go in and like, there's two straight aisles of like wine, beer, spirits. Mm-hmm. And that was like really weird coming here. There's a few different things like the post tax price here. That's a bit weird. Like in the UK, it's like the price you see is the price you pay. Uh, what yeah. else is strange here? Banking. You have to pay for banking. Oh, that everything's free in the UK? Everything's free. Every mm. bank is free in the UK. They even give you stuff to sign up. I know certain places are starting to do that here, but like, yeah, here it's, uh, yeah, you don't have to pay monthly for your bank. That was yeah, quite it's not usually much here. Like, I think last time I got a hundred bucks. Yeah. Or yeah. something like, yeah. I feel like they give you more for like the telephone company shit. If you sign up, you get a TV or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Or cable and things like that. But that's that. Yeah. It's slow death though, man, I think. I don't have it. Do you have it? Cable? Yeah. No, I don't even have a TV in my house right now. Damn, that's pretty cool. I usually just watch movies or something on my computer. Like, I'll just use Apple TV mm. and just buy or rent movies on there, but I don't have anything else. That's why yeah. I think it's going to start going that way, you know? I mean, everything's releasing subscription services. ESPN Plus now, there's sports doing it. Mm-hmm. Cable, cable's dying out for sure. Yeah, I don't know any, like, I, parents have it, like, but that's about it that I see, like, older generation people, but young people. Well, I guess the sports people are pretty yeah. big for cable, but other than that, I don't think people really care. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you, are you going to stay in Canada for a while? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do want to stay in Canada for a while. Like, my girlfriend and I, we had plans to go on another kind of like world tour at some point mm-hmm. just a, a good few months we want to see a bunch of places right I've, I've never really seen the sense in i've never seen the sense in like working super hard until you're 50 <laughs> 60 and then like going on cruises <laughs> I, I, I i don't i don't understand that to me it just doesn't make sense or like using the best years of your life to to work and then save for like i'm not going to say your worst years that like there's different stages to life right there's definitely yeah. not worst years but like when when i'm old i want to be like looking at the generations below me now like maybe grandkids and spending a lot of time in one place mm-hmm. like having a lot of family time that's what i want for myself i don't want to like have to work a whole bunch and then 
save up to then try and explore the world when like my back is sore my back's sore now but like when uh, when like I'm sore and I can't move as well and I can't go out and like enjoy myself a bit I've never really seen the sense in that so we definitely want to do a little like a, a big world trip for sure just to get like experience a few different countries and cultures mm-hmm. and then yeah I think come back here i mean my girlfriend kind of wants to see what england is like but i'm like don't go to england <laughs> <laughs> but no it's not like, need to go there yeah yeah but then i sorry like going back you just reminded me of something like going back to the um the mental side of things i think there was a lot of things in england that sort of triggered me right and i don't know if it's like i don't like the place i i love the place I think it's just there was a lot of hurt and a lot of development there when I didn't really have full command over myself, my emotions, and like was conscious of my actions. So like I think there's still a bit back there where I'm kind of like, maybe I should go back and see what it's like. So I de- I feel like a new person, man. Like even these four years in Canada, I owe I owe that a lot to the people that I worked for before, and also just myself for being able to make it somewhere without family and stuff like that like going Mm -hmm. through that experience so i think yeah i've developed a lot even in the last four years so i would like to go back and see what it's like but i remember leaving the uk coming to canada and like struggling for a little bit but then being like oh my god it's great here and i don't know how much i can just attribute that to like a fresh start with no one knows me like literally no one knows me and I don't have to conform to other people's ideas of who I am or like worry about all this stupid stuff that I did in the past right whereas mm-hmm. now I look back at those experiences and just laugh and be like damn the old me was different you know <laughs> yeah I bet that last four years just seems like a whole nother life especially yeah. in another country and everything for sure and it's it, it really is and it's uh it's been a good four years. I mean, I definitely miss my family. I miss my dad. I miss my sister. I've also got an older half brother on my dad's side, but he's like jetted off around to Australia. He's, we're all the same. We like just dispersing mm-hmm. things, but there's definitely like, I, I definitely miss them. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. You know? It's nice to have them available and just be able to go see them. But thank God mm-hmm. for technology like this. Yeah, true. It's nice. Yeah. Keep, keep connected a little bit at least and see each other's faces yeah exactly and what's it like for flying right now like can you even go see them if you want to not really you you can you can fly but it's definitely a hassle because Mm -hmm. like you'll get there i don't know if you have to quarantine when you're there but you'll have to quarantine when you're back and i think it's a bit like if i go back to the uk i want to go for two weeks i want to see my friends from university my friends from high school my family um so there's a lot of people to go see Mm-hmm. And, I, and then like when we go obviously my girlfriend will come and I want to show her around a bit so by the time you do all that and then you come back that's like me going up to my boss and being like hey can I get a month off not yeah. really, a bit unreasonable right and like so so you do work, work like um like physically like it's your job position isn't remote it is it is remote Some of it, is. it it makes it a little bit difficult there's there's certain aspects that are remote but because i'm in the sales and marketing it's good to be out and being able to go see accounts right and Mm -hmm. i can still do that there's a few like uh stores that we go into that don't really want to see reps right now but then there are other stores that are like oh yeah we 
would love to see you and have a chat with you and strategize as to how we can boost sales and stuff. So there's a part of my job, like I'd say at least 70, 80% is going out, getting that like face-to-face contact with people and doing that sort of thing. So to get away from that for like a whole month, it's kind of a big ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely an in-person demanding job. Exactly, right? So I don't know. We'll see. I think um, maybe I can, maybe my family can come out here for a bit. My dad's a bit older, so he shouldn't really be traveling. But he's very stubborn, so he'd probably just do it anyway. (laughs) But but yeah, I I definitely want to see them. Hopefully we can organize something maybe for the new year or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd be good to bring them out here, man. I mean, I remember I brought him as they came out here, my brother, my dad, my sister, and my brother and I have sort of like reinvented ourselves from the standard, like just work, come home, watch TV. Like we're very active now. He's really big into surfing. I'm big into my martial arts, whereas my dad and my sister, not so much. My sister smokes a bunch. So we brought them here and I remember when we brought my dad and we were like, oh, we'll just do a little hike. And he was like, yeah, yeah, a little hike. Because hikes in the UK, we have hills. We don't have mountains. Yeah. Have <laughs> so uh, he was like, yeah, okay, I can do it. And uh, we took him up the Squamish Sheep. Oh, yeah. He was in bits, dude. After that first like step climb, yeah. he was in bits. But he's very stubborn. He finished the whole thing. We did two peaks. And oh, he did shit. the whole thing. That's good. And he got down and his t-shirt, his t-shirt was a different color. He was like, his hair was all over his face. And he was like, I think I need to get back on my bike. I was like, I think you do, Dad. So he needs to come back and redeem himself on the cheap. <laughs> all three peaks when he comes back. Man, yeah, that's no easy climb, that's for sure. No, it's difficult, man. I remember coming here and it's like, yeah, I really applaud you guys for all your outdoor activities. You very active bunch but you can see that in the people too right like mm-hmm. you know, a ton of people that are overweight particularly in vancouver everyone's still very stressed to see but <laughs> you have those you have those pockets of escape which is quite nice mm-hmm. yeah i love how close the mountains are yeah i can't really like every time I, i'm just not much of a beach person either so like when i mm-hmm. go away and i come back i'm like like i really do like this place yeah it's incredible. Yeah. I bought a uh, I bought a paddleboard recently, mm. and I just I love that man. Like being out on the water, I just feel so at home in the water. It just supports you. Like I'm a decent swimmer. Like I just, I just love it. So like I paddle out and I jump in the water, and you just can't beat it. Where do you normally go? Like Deep Cove? I went to Deep Cove. I want to do Whitecliff. And when I say I bought a paddleboard, I mean really recently. So like just before the smoke came. So I got out on Deep Cove, loved it. And then the smoke descended. And <laughs> I, I suffered from asthma in the past. So I'm trying to like behave myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to go to Whitecliff too. I want to see some orca, man. I want to have like a GoPro ready and have one of those orca encounters. Like get blown right off your board. Oh, that's my, that's my dream. <laughs> as long as I don't get eaten, I don't really care. Yeah, but, like I don't want to be the first case of like documented wild orca attack. I'm not going to go out and seek them, but if I see them, I'll be super stoked. Yeah, I actually pulled them off the sea bus once. That was incredible. Really? Yeah, because they're not usually in the harbor, right? But I was mm-hmm. going across, and then the sea bus driver slowed down, made an announcement. We all went to the uh, rear left side of the boat coming from North Van. You just see like the dorsal fins come up and the pods. I like. 
They're mm-hmm. amazing creatures. Super. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, hopefully, well, it's, cool. it's cool for me. We don't have any wildlife in the UK. You don't have to watch out for any wildlife. No wildlife can kill you there. It's just the people you got to be afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there's no bears or anything. I remember when I saw my first bear here, I was like, oh my God, what the hell is going on? <laughs> bears, eagles, you guys have it all. There's a lot of cool wildlife here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never even really thought about that. I guess yeah. there's a lot of scary shit here for wildlife. It was funny. I remember my girlfriend telling me because she grew up in Whistler. She was like, oh, yeah. So in our outdoor ed classes, we'd like have modules on how to deal with a with like encountering a bear. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's batshit crazy. And also in Australia, like um, so in Australia, like pretty much every animal can kill you there. But like in their outdoor ed classes, they like talk about how you have to lift things in your garden. You have to flip it first, run away in case there's a spider or a poisonous snake under there, then go back and get it. Or like shark safety at beaches. And I'm like, <laughs> I've lived a sheltered life. <laughs> I do not have to worry about my environment, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Whistler's crazy for the bear stuff. Like a lot of my family lives there and I, I lived there for a few years too. Mm. And uh, even like this summer, my, my uncle, like they just go to the park and their dog would like go chase grizzly bears and shit like at the park and he's like man you can't do that you're gonna get eaten but like they're they're also like you know many of them they're so used to people like i remember we used to chase bears through the village like we'd be partying and they'd you'd like see one and you'd just start chasing it and it'd be like literally right through the village middle of the night i'm like that is crazy probably super dumb to do when you're drunk but Yeah. We all done silly things when we're drunk, but I can tell you right now, if I was drunk and I saw a bear, I'd run the other way. <laughs> I was, I'd be like, no, absolutely not. I'd take a picture and I'd be on my merry way. That's, a, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, you just get comfortable with it, I guess, too. But how yeah. long did you live in Whistler for? Um, just a few years after high school, I'd say like probably three. How'd you find it there? I really like it there. I spent a lot of time in Pemberton. I don't know if you've been mm. there. I've been there once. I think Joffrey Lakes is in Pemberton. Is that it's like right? past it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe it would be yeah. like similar. Eh, probably the last town you go through. Mm. But yeah, it was good. Like I just love all the outdoor stuff up there. I, I do a lot of mountain biking. So nice. um, I like that. Uh, and similar for me, like Pemberton and Whistler was kind of like, that was my kind of fresh start where I just did whatever I wanted to and nobody really knew me up there. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, friends came up and it's close enough I can drive home and have people there, but I just like that nobody knew who I was. I just got to go to the store and not have to think I was going to see someone or any of that shit, just do whatever. So It's kind um, of liberating, right? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Like... Yeah, I really liked it. And up there too, like when I was in Pemby, like I'd ride my dirt bike to work, like go out the backyard up to the train tracks and just shit like that that you don't get to do in the city. So um, yeah, I loved it up there. It's just expensive and then work. Uh, When I had a business down here, it was like similar. Well, it was a fabrication company. So I had to be there in person Mm -hmm. uh, and run it. It wasn't mobile. So I just couldn't really go up there again. Whereas now I'm starting to get freed up into more of like a mobile only based business where I could spend more time in other places, but 
We'll see. That's good, man. That's good. And especially like right now, I mean, look, we're doing this podcast remotely, right? We're each in our own areas. I could have been in England, like you said in the beginning. Yeah. Like I, I could have been in England. And that's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And like it follows that sort of narrative of like, these are like the best years of your life. Like do stuff, experiment. Like do that sort of thing. Work remotely. Like I feel like a lot of us are in such a rush. Mm-hmm. Like there's this big rush and i'm very guilty for that i've always been a future planner i don't spend a lot of money i'm always thinking about the future and that's like my biggest struggle is like well hold on like just live a bit live, live a little bit even like <laughs> buying this paddleboard you can't believe like i was sat there like looking at the price and i was like should i click it should i click it no no i should save and there's like all of these little things when really it's like well no like just enjoy yourself a little bit there's definitely mm-hmm. a balance like it makes me laugh when people are like you could die tomorrow well like yeah you could but you're probably not going to right like <laughs> you're probably not going to so it's like it's always that fine balance between like living in the present but also like having those goals right like where do you mm-hmm. want to be? for me like i want to have a family i want to be able to support them i don't want to be stressed when i have a family you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And like a lot of that will hinge on how financially stable I am. So I definitely have goals, but at the same time, it's like, don't sacrifice these good years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You got to go out there and play a little bit. Well, um, so what made you switch? So you say you had a fabrication company before? Mm-hmm. We built like uh, custom lift kits and things for cars. Uh, well, trucks, okay. cars, <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I just went through a lot with that company, especially like that's when my um, mental health and stuff really started to catch up to me. Mm. Um, obviously, you start your own business and you just keep pushing every single day. Um, it gets to be a lot. And I like grew up with a very bad diet, but opposite to you, I never gained a lot of weight. Mm. I was always very thin. So growing up, my parents and people would say to me as a joke, like, man, if you keep eating like that, you're going to get fat. So mm. I always thought, well, I'm not fat, I'm healthy then. So who gives a shit? I'll eat whatever I want. Yeah. And uh, I would eat like cheesecake, milkshakes, oh, it's my just Starbucks coffee. Uh, and uh, what else do I get from them? I get like a mocha and a muffin every morning. And like, basically I ate pure sugar for, mm years and that just would catch up when I was working um Mm. the stress and then that it was a lot of highs and lows big crashes uh throughout the day from it like I remember at the end it would get to the point where like I couldn't even mentally think or move like I couldn't do anything I would have to just drive and get something sugary and I would last like and you're so dehydrated when you eat that way too like just very draining very weak Mm -hmm. um hit me one day and I ended up having to take two years off of the business. And that's when I started getting into the holistic realm, learning about nutrition, when I saw a natural path. Mm. And then I never went to university, but I did a lot of like workshops, like shorter trainings um, for me to commit to something for three years. I don't know. I, I can't do it. I'm just, well, it's not really the, the commitment of the time. It's waiting to get in. I'm like, yeah. okay, I want to learn about nutrition right now. I don't want to wait fucking three years. Yeah. So, so that was the thing for me. So I would go to more private places um, and see people. So I did a nutrition training that was three months under a lady actually from Whistler 
have you have you been to the green mustache cafes before yes yeah yes. so you got some of their granola in the cupboard yeah so she owns those and i've oh, i trained yeah. under her name's nicolette um so yeah like I, i've been i've like met a lot of people and i've kind of learned a lot of stuff in the holistic realm and then once i started to see what was going on and what i'd been dealing with i was just like i felt like it was more important to share that stuff instead of build trucks for people which like i don't think is bad i still think trucks are cool but i just became i just stopped caring about them as much like i started that business out of high school like wanting to be cool and having a big truck and it just kind of i evolved out of that i guess is what happened um so yeah and then now just trying different things you know because even the podcast like i started that a year ago Mm. started this a year ago now so yeah and now i'm just getting more into like sharing that sort of thing like putting together little trainings and and like courses on what i've learned in food in the past year and giving out the resources and and things just like so want people to have access to it you know it's important man and i i I think it's a really noble thing you're doing because yeah like now that i finished my bsc and i've come over here and i've learned a bunch of new things before i'd almost discredit anyone who didn't have a university degree but i mean like all everything i've learned here came from people who just had incredible experiences Mm -hmm. i really did right and like for you to go out like think about our differences right like nutrition for me it was kind of like an afterthought after my paramedics thing like yeah sure i have the experience for you you had that passion and drive right away from that intense experience Mm -hmm. i think that's super valuable right and like to be able to make these things accessible like let's say one of your courses or something, someone who can't afford to do that university tuition, they come by and do that. Imagine how impactful that's going to be on your health. Mm-hmm. Going from the diet that you had, which sounds atrocious. I can't even <laughs> remember what mine was. Like mine was atrocious too when I was super overweight. Is that's not me being judgy, but to come from there to where you are now, that's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And like I definitely think it's something that should be shared. And it's empowering too because people can see where you've been and then where you came to and that's very empowering because mm-hmm. a lot of people who are trapped in that cycle you didn't even you didn't even know you were trapped in that cycle you probably no. didn't even know what food did to you like you said you thought oh i'm not fat so i'm healthy there's so many different aspects to health right there's your mental there's like it's not just about what your body looks like and it's same when it comes to food food shouldn't be something that's just fuel it shouldn't be something that you rely on for emotional support. <laughs> it can't just be your social thing, right? It's all of those things. And it will be those things at different times. But you have to make sure that one doesn't take over the other at any given point and that you're using it in the right way for each thing. You know, and I think you've, you've come to terms with that and that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And to be able to share that experience with people, some people who are lost and who are trapped using it for certain different things, I think that's pretty good. And man, how much better do you feel? I bet you feel tons better. Better than I've ever remembered before. Right? Like I like my idea of heaven, right? I'll be honest with you. I love I love crappy food. What people would say crappy food. I love it. Like my weakness is ice cream. Man, I'll finish a whole tub. I remember like I finished like I did three and a half hours at the gym like a few months ago. And I man, I promise you, I only put this tub of ice cream down because of willpower. I almost did two liters, bro. I almost did the whole thing after my education, after everything. Like it's, it's a weakness, right? But 
how how crappy do you feel afterwards and that's not just you beating yourself up but like how crappy do you feel physically mm -hmm. you probably can't tolerate that much all in one go you know yeah. what i mean so oh yeah even yeah, like the breakfast of like a mocha and a muffin god that sounds like a nice treat but like what happens afterwards you feel terrible mm -hmm. it's like, it doesn't take long for it to happen either exactly bro i remember when i came here and like I, I have to say this as well because i think a lot of a lot of people say it but they don't actually know that it's true where people are always saying oh the bread in europe is so much better it is it is a ton better like you eat that stuff over there and it's just it's it doesn't put you out i remember when i came over here and i was like I was like, Tim Hortons, never tried Tim Hortons before, not a thing in the UK. I was like, I'll give it a shot. They have all these wild things. So I got a donut and a bagel. <laughs> Dude, I was like, literally within half an hour, I had to go to sleep. I had to go to sleep. I was like, I got like an everything bagel with cream cheese and I think it was a Boston cream donut. Like, damn, it was sweet. It was brilliant. It was thoroughly <laughs> enjoyable. But then like half an hour, dude, I, I literally had to crawl into bed. I had to go to bed. <laughs> I was just like this is crazy and I remember so uh, when we were living we were living with a bunch of other people me and my girlfriend um, we uh, I used to go to Boston Pizza to watch the fights because like we didn't have a great TV and like we're in a good atmosphere so I'd watch the UFC at Boston Pizza every time dude I was like maybe it's some topping on the pizza I'd eat the pizza acid reflux stomach hurt and like I can I can eat a lot of stuff like I'm not really allergic to anything i'm not gluten sensitive or anything like that like every single pizza i tried there dude oh my stomach just didn't agree with me it's very it's, different boston pizza is supposed to be one of the worst places for food quality it's like everything's frozen there Damn, really? like every single thing that they serve it just they order frozen and then heat it I, I don't think they make anything like i don't think they ever roll out a pizza dough and put shit on top of it that's crazy yeah i don't know i've never worked there but people that people i knew that worked there when we were younger like now they always talk about how shitty it is that's but interesting that's what i, I see it. yeah like that's where i kind of <laughs> noticed I've, have you been to um chopped leaf before no but i've heard of it chopped yeah leaf. it's kind of like uh i don't know it's supposed to be a healthier kind of like subway i guess similar to like freshy maybe okay. like I don't know. They've got like salads and soup and kind of shit, yeah. but it's like in a subway type of setup. So it's kind of fast food version, but I've gone there like probably four or five times and it's been in over like the couple, couple of years and I'll go. And every time I eat there, like I'll get a salad and some, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. There's a bit of dairy on it or whatever, but like I can have a glass of milk and my stomach's fine mm. and I'll eat it. And like halfway through, I'll get the, the craziest sharp stomach pains. And I'm like, man, and like, I'm like, okay, it's just got to be something. And, and then I've waited and gone back. I've tried different locations. And it's not like because I really want to eat there. Just sometimes it's convenient. And every single time I've gotten the same thing. And like, I think it's got to be like, I mean, there's something that's in their processed food that's like yeah. triggering it. Some sort of chemical. Like there's no, I can eat any of those ingredients at home and it's fine. But yeah. there so it's kind of it's crazy to like when your body becomes that like sensitive you can just really like start to feel the shit that's in stuff for sure and i think it it happens with age as too sad, sad as i am to say that because i mean like 
like when I was younger, I, I didn't have a great diet at all, right? Like I was telling you, but it was like, you sort of tolerate it, but you don't know if that's like your normal, right? But mm-hmm. I never really struggled at school or anything. I don't ever remember being overly tired. I remember being useless at like martial arts when I first started, but that was like a physical fitness thing, right? But like, yeah, it's interesting. I think everyone needs to figure out what works for them, right? But if you can if you can learn how to cook, I was very fortunate in the sense that like my mom knew how to cook. My stepmom actually like bless her, she taught me how to cook a bunch too. And if you can learn that, that is one of the fundamental life skills. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to cook. You need to learn how to support yourself. And I mean like cook, cook, like not like boil some pasta, throw some sauce in a pan, like cook the sauce. Mm-hmm. Learn what oregano tastes like. Oh, you guys say it's so weird. I'm trying to like emulate the accent. Sorry. <laughs> you don't say it weird. It's just different. But like you say, I say oregano and basil. You guys say oregano and basil. Basil sounds so strange to me. But oregano, basil, like you need to learn what these things taste like. Marjoram, all of these things, garlic, onion. You need to know what works together, right? And if, if people would just follow that rule, like cook for yourself, anything you eat you have to have cooked for yourself or like had like your partner or whoever cooked for you at home you're going to be in good stead right Mm -hmm. no one has the time to bake a ton of cheesecakes all the time we all love it but you have to be pretty (laughs) fucking precise to bake a cheesecake and yeah and it takes a lot of time right whereas you can knock up a delicious amazing stir fry in half of that time Mm -hmm. yeah much faster right like you follow this rule of cooking for yourself you're going to improve your health no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then it depends. If you're quite tall, it might become like, well, damn, I need to start actually eating some more. I'm not eating enough because I'm cooking all these meals for myself. But if you get to that point where you know how to cook, you know how to support yourself in that way, that's huge. And I think that should be part of the curriculum too. There should be mandatory cooking classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's, we'll have to start our own school one day. Well, it's, I think so, bro. I think so. Listen, so when I, in my third year at university, me and uh, two of my other course mates, <clears throat> we were involved in an intervention in a, in a poorer area, right? So we go into a poorer area, we partnered with like the local grocery stores to, uh, for them to sponsor us and support us in the sense of giving us ingredients. And we get all these uh, poorer or lower socioeconomic background families in, and we'd have the kids cooking with the mums and typically it was single mums right so you'd have the kids cooking with the mums and then we'd line up the shopping list and the price list and then we'd do all the calculations and see how much it was to feed uh people for each meal and they were blown away they were blown away they were like no the kids are never gonna eat it they're too used to all this other stuff the kids loved it the kids loved cooking bro they were learning something different they were all together they were eating it. They loved eating something that they had created. And then they saw the price of the shopping list and they're like, why hadn't I done this sooner? Mm-hmm. There's a knowledge, isn't there? It's the same with you. Like, same with me. Same with anyone. Why hadn't I done martial arts sooner? I didn't know. I didn't try it. Right? Same thing with you. Why didn't I clean up my diet sooner? I didn't know. If you can bring that knowledge and make it mandatory from the get-go, you can fix a lot of problems. And then what does that translate into? better economy people are healthier spending more you haven't got all this medical debt it translates into better grades performances going up at school 
more wealth in general, more spending. It's that cycle up instead of a cycle down, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I truly believe it. I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah, I think it's super important, but we'll see. That's the changes hopefully that'll be made in the future here. Yeah, and I think, again, it's, that's that's a big frustration of mine with COVID is like it's put all this innovation and stuff, particularly in the public sector where it needs to be on hold. Mm-hmm. now people are too even freaked out about going to school right and i can't blame them i'm not a teacher so i i don't have family here right the covid for me relatively it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to be honest i put a mask on i don't see my family i check in on them they're a whole whole country away there's a ton of water between us for these other people that have kids worried about homeschooling but then you have to balance sending them back okay what if they see their grandma or grandpa on the weekend like that's a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. That's a set of circumstances that's a lot tougher. Yeah, it's going to be a hard decision to make for people. How have you found it since the lockdown? Um, I've enjoyed it, <laughs> I guess, in a sense. I mean, um, I didn't notice a huge difference. I did eat out quite a bit, especially when mm-hmm. I get busy. Um, try to go to better places, but for me... I also meet people quite often. Like if I'm going to go socialize a lot of times for me, it's at a, like one of my favorite cafes or restaurants. Um, I don't know if you've been to Fort Langley. Before. I have actually. I'm going there today. Okay. So that's where I live. Yeah. Oh, you live in Fort Langley. I'm like 10 minutes I'm from Fort Langley, but yeah. In person. I'm visiting a retailer there. I'm actually going to the pure pharmacy. I was going to ask if you guys sold stuff there. Cause I buy everything there. I know all the girls there. Yeah, well, so you know Nicole? Yeah. Super cool. So yeah. she's uh, she's who I'm going by to see today. Yeah, they carry a bunch of our stuff, man. I was going to ask that, yeah, because I, I mean, I, well, I used to go there almost every day for smoothies and juice from their smoothie bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's like, because Fort Langley's where I usually will go to meet people at like Saba or some of the other restaurants. Um, yeah. So that was kind of like, obviously a big hit for me. Everything was closed. Um, but other than that, like everything I do is outside. Um, so I would just go mountain biking by myself or beat one of the cams or whatever. So I didn't notice it that crazy. I mean, it was definitely odd. Um, yeah, (laughs) like not really seeing people anywhere and whatever else was going on. I also like have like the suite that I'm in is on my grandpa's, uh, house. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of like, I mean, we don't live together, but it's still like we talk and see each other each day. So that can be kind of like, I don't know, worrisome in in a sense. But he's kind of like similar to your dad where you were saying stubborn and still does shit. Like he never skipped a beat, went to the grocery store. His girlfriend lives in North Van. So every weekend he goes to North Van to see her. And like they still went out and did all their normal shit. So I I love that grit. I love it. I love that. (laughs) I love how people are freaking out. You, you, you really see people uh, changing in the pandemic, right? Or you see like what people are made of. Cause you see a bunch of people and like, even in our age group that are really freaking out. They're like, COVID is too much. COVID is too much. And then you see people, the older generations, it's like, we've been through worse. Like, you yeah. know, they've had all these like different traumas throughout. Like, it's like, I mean, thank God we're not in a war or anything like that. We're all freaking out and there's people getting on their high horses about masks and all of this. And then you get old people like your grandpa or my dad and they're just like, 
I've been through worse. And like, they just don't let affect their life, right? They're, they're not prepared to live in fear, which I, <laughs> I think is very admirable. I really like that. You have other people that are very scared and locking themselves up. And then it's, I think that's a slippery slope, particularly when you come to mental health, right? Like, well, I think the fear alone too, kind of like in the biology belief, like the fear alone can compromise your body and like the way that it's working. If you're going to sit inside and stress about it, um, chances are that'll be the worst time for you to get it. So stress is one of the worst things for your immune system. Not like, sorry, I should make that distinction. Chronic stress is one of the worst things for your immune system. A little bit of stress is good. Exercise, Mm -hmm. freaking out about a job interview or an exam. Those things are good. They up your performance, freaking out for a competition. They're good, but it's all acute, right? Your stress goes up, comes back down. If you go up and then you keep like operating at that stress level, oh, COVID, I'm going to check the news. Oh my God, there's protests. Oh, I can't look at that. Oh, I listen to the radio. There's more issues. And you keep getting that spike. Terrible for you. Mm-hmm. So bad. So bad because when you get those spikes, everything in your body's mobilized. Your sugars are going, your heart rate's going. You're putting all your systems under this big stress because it's fight or flight or freeze or whatever. Now they're talking about freeze, right? You got the three Fs. But your body's primed for that. It's not focusing on digestion. It's not mm-hmm. focusing on your immunity. It's focusing on your immediate threat, which for a lot of people is looking at their phone, seeing bad news, and just getting that refed into their brain, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's one of the worst things. Anything you can do to, if you are a person like that, to bring yourself out of that state, meditation, exercise is like the closest thing to a silver bullet we have for pretty much all conditions apart from arthritis, but (laughs) (laughs) like literally exercise, the right supplementation. If you can control that stress response, ashwagandha, reishi, all of these things, L-theanine, they're so good for controlling that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of good stuff out there now too. So Mm. there's definitely options. Yeah. What are you taking any supplements right now? Mm. Not really, honestly. I'm not looking at my supplement cupboard. I've got, I generally just take like some of the B12 stuff, mm. uh, iodine little drops. I have got like some immune booster drops I take. Like if I feel like I'm getting something's coming on, I usually, I don't know, like I don't really get sick ever. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't, I don't take much. Some of the protein powder actually have like Botanica. They have, um, they have ones with like enhanced stuff in it. So they'll have like ashwagandha, reishi mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how good it is or how much is in it comparative to like taking the supplement, but um, sometimes here and there, like I'll hear about something and test out a supplement for a bit or um, I don't know. Just depends. I I was seeing um, an osteopath Mm. and he told me, cause I was doing endurance training and stuff and we were doing a half Ironman and he's like, oh, yeah, you got to take all this shit. I swear it'll be like such a big difference um, when you take it. So I took it all for like a couple of weeks. And I was like, man, I just really don't feel anything. Like maybe a little bit, but it wasn't by any means like, oh, shit, that really made a difference. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't really felt that with much. I just feel like I eat so clean and stuff now usually that it's hard to beat it. I feel like if you're eating shitty and you just maybe downed a bunch of supplements that for a couple of weeks that were good for you, you'd probably notice it, but like mm. maybe I just didn't. So I'm not sure, but, um, 
I'm always curious to try things and that's usually somewhere that I lack too. It's like, I'll get something and forget to take it or mm. uh, whatever it is. So, but I always like to, or mean to test trying things because I'm a big believer too. And just trying new shit and testing it out. Like, how do I know any of this stuff? Something could be really good and I'm just missing it because I haven't given it a shot or whatever. Right. Well, so. exactly. And it depends on your situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no one's going to take the same supplements and if they do it's kind of like it's a silly thing to do you should do it based on your situation right it's like a vegan and myself will take very different supplements like Mm -hmm. someone who isn't very active and myself will take very different supplements someone who has high cholesterol and another person who doesn't will take something very different right Mm -hmm. i think where they really shine is like you said like after you've dialed in every other aspect of your life that's when you'll get benefit from them like instead of like having everything going crappy and then um taking it and trying to find a benefit i think look at your situation see what will benefit you and then try it once you've exhausted all other means Mm -hmm. so like for yourself when you're training for and when you're doing the half iron man right like you'd want to take certain things that will help with your endurance and really I I can't think of too many that would be great. I mean, creatine maybe would have been good for you, cordyceps, but other than that, it's not really like maybe some electrolytes if you start cramping up, but Mm -hmm. that's it. And I truly believe like people, what frustrates me is when people like get started on a fitness journey, let's say, and then before even finding their baseline, they get started, they buy all their new clothes, they buy their supplements and then they go right in. I don't think they should do that. Like, by all means, if you need new clothes, buy new clothes. But like, do your do your exercise. Find your baseline. Find that plateau where you simply can't go any further. This is what I like to do with my martial arts all the time. Find where you can't go any further, where you need to improve, and then try something. And that's when you know it will really work. Can you break past that plateau? Okay, then it's probably working. Mm-hmm. If you can't, that's really not the one for you, right? Yeah, you're kind of never really setting that baseline. You're just like randomly trying so much shit. You don't know what's going on. Exactly. You're trying to be a super athlete when you're just starting your journey. You're trying to run before you can walk. Mm-hmm. That's essentially it. Like even if you look at these like top athletes, they start supplementing. But in the beginning of their careers, it's like they didn't have that. They were just working hard. They were just grinding the whole time, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're for. they're for that extra edge once you have hit that sort of plateau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, well, what do we got here? I don't know. Do you want to do? Is there anything else that you that you is on your mind? No, I think we touched on a lot of it. I'm just man. I'm grateful to be on. And like I mm-hmm. said, I mean, I keep saying it. I probably sound like a groupie by now, but I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's really good. You should keep doing it because. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who, I mean, even in the past, right, when I had all that stuff going on that I mentioned, I really wouldn't want to talk to people about it. And now as I've come through those experiences, you sort of realize it is good to talk about it. It's not only good for you, but it could be good for someone else. And mm-hmm. having a platform like this where people are like, oh, damn, maybe I should sort of open up and it's not going to be like this all the time. It's a good thing, especially for people who can't look into the future and see past some horrible circumstances that they're in, right? So. No, I just want to thank you and uh, congratulate you guys on your cause. It's really cool. Thanks, really man. Cool. I really appreciate the support and I appreciate you coming out. 
being willing to speak on it. That's huge. Um, and getting to know you, like it, I love doing this and getting to meet new people and hear about their lives and everything that they've got going on. I mean, I learn so much every time and I like that now this is public and everybody can learn uh, the same things as me and listen to everything. So I think, uh, yeah, man, it's awesome. And hopefully one day I can, well, I'm sure I'll meet you in person eventually. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, and I, I have to say, I've got a favor to ask you. I want you to try at least one jujitsu session. Doesn't have to be where <laughs> I train. That it can be after the pandemic if you're worried about that. But like, try it out. Try I'll, have to, I'll have to do it. I, I mean, I used to do stuff where I'd like try and try something new, like once a month or or whatever. And it's been a long yeah. time since I've done that, and I miss that too. Like for me, that's big, just pushing and getting out of my comfort zone. So that'll I'll have to use that as the next thing. And that's huge. And that's again a whole thing we didn't touch on, but I think that's a brilliant thing like being able to force yourself outside your comfort zone mm -hmm. that's where you grow and it's that old cliche everyone's hearing that now but it's so true so true my mum dragged me kicking and screaming into that logo <laughs> and like i loved it it changed my life it really did it i'm not gonna have that cliche that martial arts saved like saved my life no it didn't save my life but i could be a very different person now had my mum not forced me to do it Mm -hmm. And that's a good story because it's not like, yeah, I did it. I forced myself to do it. I didn't. I wasn't going to do it. I was <laughs> not going to do it, mate. I was going to sit at home. I was going to play video games. My mom forced me to do it. So don't be like that. Like, force yourself to do it. And I think, mm -hmm. like, that trying one new thing a month, of course, COVID's kind of put a spanner in the works there. But don't be, don't be me. Don't get someone else to have to force you to do it. Like, do it yourself. And you get so much reward from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Get out there and just do it. <laughs> right then, brother. Well, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for coming and we'll be in touch. Sounds good, brother. See you soon. Okay, bye.